0: going on guys welcome to the next installment of stimulated my name is luke i'm here with my main man scott welch scott you are by all standards a industry titan when it comes to <laughs> the sports nutrition industry and I, dude i'm just like super excited to have you on the show i know that uh you can bring a wealth of knowledge to you know just to the table and i want to just kind of start out a little bit and get to know you you know tell us Kind of where you're from, some background, and any personal info that you'd like to share. Where are you? Are you still in the Vancouver
1: area? Yeah, I live in Vancouver now. I'm originally cool. from the Toronto area. Uh, awesome. Grew up, born and raised in that area, and then uh, went to uh, Ryerson University and did a degree in nutrition because I was the uh, I wanted to be the smartest bodybuilder in the industry and, and get my pro card by um, being the smartest and I never thought I'd have to use steroids or anything like that. So I thought that if I knew the science of diet and training better than anyone. I would have the edge, you know, and, yeah. uh, after years of, 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 just spending my life, reading magazines and books at the end of high school, I really knew nothing about anything other than, you know, uh, supersets, compound sets, uh, complex carbohydrates, uh, insulin mimetics and all the different things that, um, you could kind of read about. And, uh, that led me into, uh, pursue a degree in nutrition i wanted to work with athletes um be a sports nutritionist but uh, be a dietitian what i learned was i would have to be be a registered dietitian and in practice i would have to follow the canada food guide which i didn't agree with the the canada food guide at the time which was you know the breads and cereals and and peanut butter sandwiches and things like that um gotcha i just didn't think that that was something that uh athletes would do and you know what it turned out years later i was right not that uh, i was right but the bodybuilders were way ahead of um the mainstream dietitians uh in the uh, science of um nutrition for performance which is a very different thing than nutrition for just general health so absolutely um no that's definitely uh that's that's how i kind of um that's where i started academically uh went there uh, upon graduation I got hired to be a formulator for uh, muscle tech uh, this was in 1998 so it was a long time ago and at that time there was uh, only uh, a few people at the company uh, so we had um, really pioneered a lot of things at that time because we were small and working yeah. for a small company uh, as you know with your experiences at Redcon is you have to wear many different hats so on one time you're helping with labels you're helping with floor uh formulas then you're taste testing then you're working the olympia booth and then you're right um, exactly. helping with uh, customer support um so uh, that's uh kind of how i first started um before that a little bit um i formulated for a supplement company while i was in university um you know it was really cool um uh, for- this company really wanted to use the actual research doses that um you know, at the time pyruvate was really popular, ribose was popular, amino acids, mm-hmm. obviously, uh, gluconeogenic amino acids and things that, that, that research has been there for a long time. And I'd come up with um, formulas uh, that were using like creatine plus ribose and creatine with complex carbohydrates. And, um, you know, what I have quickly learned from uh, what, seeing what the owner signed off on versus what I proposed was that uh, there was an economic, uh, I guess, obstacle that right. I had to overcome. And, uh, you know, I'll never forget his words where uh, we don't want to reinvent the, the wheel here, Scott. So <laughs> he said, and he goes, literally, I want you to look at brand X and I want you to just copy their formulas because they, they're doing really well. So we'll do really well if we just do what those guys do. And that kind yeah. of, um, and seeing his background, it literally looked like the typical snake oil salesman, like kind of, he looked like right. Better Call Saul. He looked yeah. like that guy. Yeah. And um looking back that was uh you know that that crashed and burned that company later but uh anyway the industry's changed quite a bit since then but uh that was kind of uh, my roots uh, into the supplement industry.
0: Very cool, very cool. And I know that's I mean you look at you look at the industry you know as it kind of sits now and now we have you have kind of got those mainstream brands that are kind of doing the same thing as everybody else and they're all just kind of putting out a, a reasonably decent quality product at a fair price point. And then you've got the niche brands that are, you know, putting out products that are top quality, top tier, high dollar, minimal margins, and because they're trying to stand apart, but those, what I've noticed is with a lot of those companies, the products are far superior, but they're not gaining ground in the mainstream like the other ones are simply because of their price point. And they're not able to invest in things like marketing and stuff like that because they're spending so much money on on developing a quality product. So it's kind of hard to find that almost middle ground right now in the in the industry from what I, from my experience in the last couple of years, especially. So that's, uh, that's pretty awesome that you, I mean, knowing that you were part of muscle tech and, and kind of looking back at that as being like one of my, you know, original kind of go-to brands from the old GNC days and, you know, stuff like that. It's just like, that's why I said, yeah, as a Titan in the industry, I mean, you've been around since really the, the inception of what I would consider to be good supplements. You know what I mean? We had, there's been supplements for years, but when you start going back and looking at the stuff that like Arnold and those guys were using in the seventies and (laughs) eighties, we're literally talking about like raw powders from, you know, Malaysia that, you know, were probably infested with pieces of roaches and stuff that, (laughs) you know, it was just, I mean, the the quality control and the, and just, you know, the, the overall formulations were definitely not there. So you kind of came in at a great point when people were really starting to innovate, which is cool.
1: You know, I got inspired by uh, a company called EAS, which now Mm -hmm. doesn't exist anymore, and uh, reading the magazine Muscle Media 2000 by Bill Phillips and that whole group. And, and, you know, the the era I grew up to was in university. And then when I saw EAS was actually using real university studies to back up their formulas and funding Mm -hmm. research, I kind of got inspired by that whole idea that, hey, what if you could look at the um, medical journals and see ingredients that actually worked, and then looking at the doses that they needed and things like that. So um, you know, at the time, MuscleTech, they really did a lot of great things um, and introduced me to that. So when I got there, I actually helped them fund some research at University of Toronto, which was great because uh, University of Toronto has got a huge diabetes ward. Uh, mm-hmm. I believe they a University actually discovered insulin back in the day yeah. and so there's a huge area there so we were testing different levels of water combined with carbohydrates and surprisingly the higher the amount of water you take with a carbohydrate will actually increase the speed of absorption up to a certain point
0: right.
1: uh, once you get over to a, over a liter uh, in Canada that's uh, our, our measurement um it right. starts to have a diminishing returns mm-hmm. you know but um by and large we did that and then we did some work with um ginseng where there's active ingredients inside ginseng called ginsenosides and they actually increase nitric oxide and right. we introduced in 2000 the very first nitric oxide stimulating supplement and that was actually Nitrotech that's how it got yeah. its name for the nitro part was nitric oh. oxide mm-hmm. and um all it really was with, uh, that was looking at the research on ginseng, which we funded and seeing these ginsenosides. And then uh, the idea was if we could improve blood flow in your body, uh, you could help, uh, increase the absorption of the entire formula that became some of it. They also added creatine to the formula, which obviously has a lot of muscle building uh, potential. And, right. um, that just made a better whey protein and that, um, you know, the, the air keeps changing. Um, what you commented on about, you know, the old versus new, the quality control. There was companies back then that had good quality control, but obviously the regulations the government had, the regulations internationally that um, different countries had, were not what they are today. Right. And the consumer awareness of ingredients, we didn't have the internet to the level that we have now, where you can see different reviews online and you can, you know, see your scores and and uh, the consumer has a lot more power now to just go to social media and post something, whereas Back in the day, you'd have to go on a forum if a forum existed and you could do a right. post and then company could have that taken down. It's a lot different now. And what are you going to do? Contact Instagram? And hopefully, I mean, exactly. you can. Uh, so yeah. the power is a lot more in the consumer's hands and there's more selection now than ever. But um, as, as I tell a lot of companies that there's always an opportunity to enter because the consumer doesn't have loyalty to the brands anymore like they used yeah. to. So yeah. You have to continually innovate and the innovation word is so overused, but you have to um, provide really good content. You have to have a reason to the consumer that the consumer can really understand why is your product better than brand X. And you can't gouge now on price because the consumer knows what what this stuff costs. You can have price comparison websites that exist now. And um, the independent guys can ship direct to consumer and cut out the distributor, cut out the retailer, even cut out the right. online store. And bodyloan.com isn't the power it used to be. If you can get onto Amazon, and now Amazon's changed their policies to help restrict some of the uh, companies not providing updated certificate of analysis on that. So that's a whole other area. So it's uh, you just keep evolving and evolving and evolving with the industry. Um, but uh, now that, I mean, that's what makes it exciting, and, and uh, that's why we're both in it. absolutely
0: man it is it's it's, and it's crazy because you like you know you talked about you look at so many different brands out there that you know back in the day everybody had to go to kind of distribution and now there's so many people that are direct to consumer and I've really seen the funniest thing is is that you know here we are in 2021 and I think in the last like five years is really when that massive direct to consumer individual brand push has happened and I would say realistically that through COVID, even last year, you know, obviously we're still going through the, the remnants of the pandemic, but through that mainstream beginning lockdown session of the, of the co of the COVID pandemic, a lot of br- the brands that chose to say, okay, we are going to grab this by the horns, push hard, direct to consumer. They thrived. They made immense amounts of money. I saw, you know, I mean, as much as 4,000% increases with certain brands, but then you had a lot of brands that pulled back and said, yeah, you know what? I don't I don't want to piss off my retailers. I don't want to do this. I don't want to do that. So I'm not going to push real hard direct to consumer. And in that same aspect, I saw a lot of people, I actually saw quite a few brands go under because they just, rather than, you know, gra- grabbing life by the horns and saying, look, we've got to capitalize on what we can do right now. They overthought the process, pulled back. And now here we are in 2021. And there's quite a few that are not here anymore. So evolving and moving with, you know, the process and kind of the, the scenario and situation that's going on, not only in just the development of products, but in just the world. And, you know, the, 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 the landscape of what's going on, it, you've got to evolve. And that's, you know, that, that's a huge thing that I think a lot of people are scared of. And we've actually, you know, you and I have spoken, you know, about a, a, some people that we know that are kind of stuck in the, in, you know, in the, in the, in the olden times and it, it, you know, and it's a, uh, it, it's frustrating, you know, because, you know, you look at these brands and you see the phenomenal potential they have. And when there's pushback on evolution, it's like, why, like, why don't you want to grow? Why don't you want to get bigger? Like, what is it about driving a 1986 Ford Tempo that makes you feel good? (laughs) You know what I mean? And I, I I don't get it. You know, it's like, I mean, I, I mean, if I could switch to a Tesla right now, I would, why not? You know, I mean, it is what it is, but at the end of the day, you know, I just, I, I love going out there and taking four hours to start my 86 tempo. I don't know what to tell you, you know, and I just laugh. I'm like, it just, you know, there, there is, there is an error of hard headedness there with a lot of people that just, this is what works and this is what's always worked. And this is what we're going to do. Well, when, you know, when do you, when, w- at what point do you finally look back and say, well, guess what? It ain't working no more. It's time to evolve. <laughs>
1: You know so, what? Unfortunately, what you'll find is the brands that are hanging on to the past, the way they did things, that's how they did things from the beginning of their career right. all the way through it. So it's hard for them to ever imagine making money any other method. You know, And I right. think a lot of times if you think of training, I mean, you have a powerlifting background, so you have a certain way that you warm up. You have a certain exercise as your go-to for back. Maybe you start off with some light deadlifts and then you work your way right. up and then a real workout isn't a workout unless you've deadlifted and then you do, you know, undergrip grip um, reverse downs, and, and you have right. a certain sequence. But I think a lot of times what I find is like, I'll check Instagram now and you see sort of some of the newer people that are physique models and stuff and you see their workouts and you're like, man, this it's all machines, it's body weight stuff, it's plyometrics, it's different things that if you went back to the eighties era with Arnold in the seventies and that they would right. say, Oh man, even Arnold's admitted that his training has changed quite a bit over the years. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think the supplement industry, people, what, uh, the younger ones going in who never maybe worked at a supplement company before, or like, or if they did, it wasn't a legacy brand. It was a newer brand. Maybe they worked at a Blackstone and maybe they worked with some of these guys and then, right they have a framework of how to sell it's okay you go on you got out of instagram you have to have a website you have to be able to um, do a post from instagram and be able to answer a dm and fulfill an order from a dm and and that's kind of the way that they first learned how to sell supplements so when you tell them that they should be knocking on the door of mexico and they should be trying to get orders from india and the middle east is a huge market there's no experience in that area. Like I, I talked last week to a colleague who successfully ran uh, a few supplement companies, but never ever did well in international. I wouldn't say mm. did, did more than two or two or 300,000 max over his career. Right. And I have other ones where they've only done well in international and domestically they're terrible. And yeah. I actually talked to, three weeks ago to a company that's that's very much like that years and when you hear the that what works in international and you start talking about currency volatility and selling commodities over in these other parts of the world you have no idea how much supplements are sold in china or in india um Mm -hmm. in the middle east how how deep the pockets are and even when you look at um okay i i sold if you're a direct-to-consumer brand and i know you work with a lot of them out there and maybe a good order is a $500 order to someone's house, and the margins are this. Oh my gosh, we, we're hitting a 40 point margin on this order. Right. That's great. <laughs> well, if I send a container to India and it's a $200,000 container and my margins on that are 20 points, who's making more money? <laughs> you know, that that, right. You know, absolutely. So a lot of yeah. these guys that uh, they kind of subsidize a broken domestic business model with all these containers that always come in every single month to pay the bills. And now that COVID hit, it's kind of drying up and changing that because in these different markets now, with the U.S. currency becoming stronger when it did, now all of a sudden the buying power of these foreign markets is lower. Yeah. So now the price is a lot more expensive to ship the American goods. And then with the government trying to restrict things coming in, now all of a sudden there's you know two months out of stock and there's all these problems and so the domestic brands that are selling vitamin C for immunity and glutamine and things like mm-hmm. that, now all of a sudden they're making these products domestically and selling them domestically. And then the American product arrives and the price is 30 or 40% more expensive for vitamin right. C or glutamine. And the consumer has already lost their job because of lockdowns or they're just locking down altogether because they don't wanna risk losing their lives in these third world countries. So for them, they, they just don't have the money and they, they don't, they're going to have to bite the bullet and buy the no-name brand that maybe they know is domestic, domestic right. rather than bar, buying an international brand. So that kind of is an opportunity for companies. But when you consult for these companies and they're still telling you, well, we still got to rely on Mexico. We still got to rely on Australia. We still got to rely on Europe you're sort of saying yourself, geez, what about this stuff in your own backyard that um, you could be working on that we told you about two years ago? Yes yeah. <laughs> where experts like yourself that have the other model, the direct-to-consumer model figured out so well. I think there's uh, plenty of opportunity there and for the consumer, the more competition breeds, more, uh, more opportunities for better products because everyone's fighting harder for your dollars and fighting harder for, um, for that. So it's just, there's no one right way. I I really feel in supplements, there's three different business models. You have an international business model, uh, and then you have a domestic business model and then a direct to consumer, actually, sorry. Um, I, because I live in Canada, I I see three different facets of most supplement companies here a Canadian domestic model, a U.S. domestic model, and right, an international. international. Yeah. And those three people in charge of those areas, generally, it's it's a completely different business. It's crazy yes. to think that because it um, yeah. it's just so competitive in the U.S. and it's so competitive overseas. But when you talk to the overseas, like what sells over well, over, well overseas? Low-cost whey protein, the cheapest Absolutely. you can make it and the yep. cheapest gainer you can possibly make. Fill it with maltodextrin, fill it with the low grade concentrate of whey protein. Uh, tons of amino acid spiking goes on overseas with glycine, (laughs) absolutely. And And if you tried to sell that in the United States, you'd get sued, like, you just can't do that. And people would look at that level of maltodextrin and say, I'm not taking this. And they'd have so much lactose from a low cost, uh, low concentrated whey, they're going to get gas and bloating. So that won't work, but. To try to take a premium Maserati Gainer in the U.S. and try to <laughs> sell that over in India,
0: it's not it gonna is work, not going to
1: work because the price model. Yeah. So yeah. Anyway, I'm sorry if I'm rambling. Uh, no, I'm you're good, your, man. You're good <laughs> no, I, I actually, I actually work with a company
0: that is based out of Jordan, and they, um, they have a U.S. you know base company. It's a, it's a it's a large online conglomerate, very similar to like Bodybuilding.com, things like that, but it's international. And they do a lot of um, Middle Eastern, you know, sales and stuff like that. I mean, it, it was intense when I started working with these guys. And I was like, wow, like they still do, like, uh, they still do, um, what's it called? When uh, when you, they, they deliver an order to the house and the people pay when the order arrives. You know what I mean? Like cash, okay. on, cash yep. on delivery, you know what I mean? COD. Yep. Yep. And I couldn't believe that they, you know, there were still things going on like that. And when I started really looking into the products, they had, They the the website carries everything you can imagine from Optimum Nutrition to Cellucor to, you know, even some Redcon stuff and, you know, whatever else. But then they have a house brand. It's called Challenger Nutrition. And the house brand is exactly what you just explained. It is a very low quality, very amino spiked protein with a a mass gainer that's made out of just a bunch of sugar and, you know, whatever else that they want to put in it. And that's their most popular selling brand in the Middle East. And that's what the guys... They they go crazy over it. I mean, the the, the pre workout is like 500 milligrams of caffeine with a bunch of sugar in it and a little bit of a pump product and and it, and it and it blows off the shelf. But it's all. But they're also selling it for you know like 20 bucks. You know, it's a 20 dollar yeah. container of 30 of 30 serving protein or 30 serving uh, pre workout, and their protein is you know 60 bucks before a discount for a five pound tub, and it's you know and when you compare something like that to you know, an optimum nutrition or whatever else, once it gets overseas, it's 80, $90 because of the import taxes and everything else. So they're, you know, they're just going crazy and selling that stuff. And that they literally developed that brand for the Middle East and for those areas like Malaysia and places like that, where they have a a large clientele of people that are buying product, but they're not willing or able, you know, to purchase the more expensive brands that come in from the US. So it's insane. I mean, and it and is it, very, you are, it's a million percent accurate that you just said that every market is completely different. It's almost like you have to, if you don't have experience in that market, you have to figure it out and learn how the processes are going to evolve and, and merge from one market to the next and how you can present product pricing. And I mean, fulfillment, and logistics is, is the biggest pain in the butt with everything. Cause at the end of the day, I mean, if you're, if you're not handling your process, your logistical process correctly, whether it be containers, you know, individual shipments, pallets, however you're doing it, your, your, your margin is gone as soon as the product leaves the shores of the United States. And that's, you know, and I've seen a lot of companies that have done that. And We ran into some really crazy stuff this past year with COVID with Brexit in the UK, because one of the brands that I'm, you know, directly involved with their, their, um, you, their European based distributor is in the UK. Well, when all this stuff went down with Brexit, they cut the UK off and said, you can no longer supply. We won't deliver a single package from the UK to anywhere else in Europe. So immediately from one night to the next, our entire, supply chain from the UK that was shipping out to everywhere in Europe and abroad, they can still ship anywhere outside of Europe. So we could still get product into Dubai and Kuwait and Africa and Australia and stuff like that. But anywhere in Europe, I mean, from one day to the next, it was dead. It was done. There wasn't, you couldn't get a package out to anybody in that area. And that was our, you know, biggest bout of business in that area. And it just, it froze everything. And I, I, I mean, it was just, intense and it's still like that right now like brexit is slowly allowing you know packages to come through but imagine being in the uk you know being in england and you want to ship a package to ireland and they say no i mean that it's like come on man you know and and the the worst part was the customer service nightmare with it because you got it happened so quickly that there were so many pending orders that hadn't gone out yet that all those orders got frozen at the border. so we probably had 50 customers emailing reaching out to us saying hey you know, I ordered two weeks ago, where's my order? Like what's going on? And there was literally nothing that could be done other than a refund because their orders were stuck at the border and held because of Brexit. So COVID has definitely created some massive challenges for uh, a lot of brands that are out there and, you know, just Im- increased cost, increased timelines, just, I mean, everything that you can possibly imagine has definitely made it a lot more difficult, but it's, a uh, when you look at like the brands that you've you've been a part of over the years, because I know you've been involved with quite a few significantly from, whether it be from a consulting standpoint or, <laughs> you know, directly working for them. What are some of the ones that stand out to you the most that you feel like you've had the biggest impact on that particular brand?
1: Um, obviously it was at MuscleTech for six and a half years. So we grew right. that to number one globally. And you know what? I have to say that that for me was, uh, was, one of the best accomplishments of my life because I was reporting directly to the owner and awesome. working my way all the way up and, and helping build a department. At one point, the department I built uh, was around 70 employees. Fantastic. And um, my annual marketing budget was, was massive. We were doing uh, 600 pages of print a month. Wow. And I had to sign off on that many pages. <laughs> and Amazing. television commercials for hydroxy cut i did the first all the first commercials for hydroxy cut and learning how to do a television commercial having never done a television commercial it's difficult you know and then learning yeah. the laws around what disclaimers you can have what networks you can be on right. and then how do you tie that into walmart us when we broke into walmart us i was the guy on the team doing all the marketing so i had to support uh, you know, all massive television programs, massive print programs to support that. Because when you're in Walmart, it's on trial. Like You don't just get guaranteed to be there. For oh, yeah, year. absolutely. I mean, yep. mm-hmm. you have to meet numbers. And we were killing the numbers on that. But then that, uh, uh, that brings in all this competitors that are going in trying to copy you. So, And mm-hmm. when you're in mass market like that, you have to preserve your specialty channel business. And when a GNC or a vitamin shop sees something in Walmart, CVS, Walgreens, now though, all of a sudden they don't want to support the product. So you have to give them a compelling reason to do so. And combining that where you're driving a fitness consumer into a specialty channel or an informed consumer of supplements into a specialty channel like a GMC or vitamin shop or a bodybuilding.com. Now, how do you do that? And oftentimes the newer solution which we pioneered at that time, if you think back, is coming out with a stronger version for the specialty channel than right. what's in mass, but they would have the same name. So you saw Hydroxy got hardcore, go out and really pioneered that piece where the specialty channel had that and the mass market had the regular. So that right. way of creating two different formulas. Now you see that quite often, extra strength versions in uh, specialty channel um, so that was a big, a big accomplishment. Lots of learning there. met some great friends and still friends with over. Uh, obviously some of them have come and gone and gone on to start their own supplement companies uh, as often is the case. If you look at the hubs, you'll look at uh, Colorado had EAS. So a whole bunch of people who left EAS went off to start their own. You look at um, MuscleTech, a whole bunch that started there went off in the in the Toronto area to start their own. And there's a lot of companies that have come from that. And then, if you look at um, Redcon, there's been a lot of people that came out of VPX, BSN, BPI, B Sports. Mm-hmm. There's a whole hub of people who have Visagen that have come out of the Florida area. That maybe this guy worked at VPX, this guy worked at Nutrix, this guy used to work at uh, BSN and Redcon and, and Blackstone and all the all the companies in Florida. So there's always these hubs that you'll find where offshoots kind of um, come about. So leaving there, going to SlimQuick is um, a female fat burner. I created that uh, with a team there. That uh, went from under ten employees doing eight million in sales before I got there. In SlimQuick, did seventy million in sales in two years, and that was my product. Wow! Um, so from single single product brand, million.
0: seventy million in sales in two years. Yep,
1: That's in crazy. two years. So I presented to Walmart uh, Bentonville. Uh, GNC, Vitamin Shop, Vitamin World, uh, Dwayne Reed, CVS. So to get that experience, if I'd stayed at MuscleTech, I wouldn't have got that until years later, just because they had, you know, an army of salespeople who are way more capable than I was at that. But working for a small startup really gave me an opportunity to shine. Um, so I'd have to say that was uh, we took the company to 120 million annual salary from our sales from under. We did 8 million in sales before I got there and 120 wow. million total sales in two, in two years. So that's the fastest growing supplement company. We had a um, we had a bodybuilding supplement, sports nutrition brand that was doing very well, a million a month at GNC US called NX wow. Labs. And Biogenetics was a um, white label GNC only product line. So I did a lot there, learned a lot in mass, learned a lot specialty channel. And then from there, I decided to consult and help all the small to mid-sized guys because the big companies like Optimum Nutrition and MuscleTech and all these guys they don't need help from guys like you and I. In your case, your specialty is a little different because you're so so smart at direct to consumer that a lot of these companies that are large do need someone like you because they want to learn how do these small to mid-sized guys that are very focused almost exclusively on direct to consumer how do they strengthen their uh, and get gritty and get entrepreneurial on the direct-to-consumer side and how do I fast track that and not upset what I currently have in place with all of my mass market and my special right. channel retailers so from there I I've consulted for VPX uh, I uh, did some work on the Bang uh, Bang Energy Drink I actually helped launch that originally and um, Redline, Redline Princess or female RTD mm-hmm. Melt, uh, Meltdown Fat Burner Did some work for MHP, uh, GAT, Nutrex. uh, You and I, I think both did some work for Nutrex. So that was really cool, really great. Mm -hmm. Jen Angerhall is such a nice guy, such a smart guy. That was a really great team. Mm -hmm. Uh, Designer Weya, that was a thrill of my career working for David Jenkins, who um, him or Jackalock at VPX or Steve Leckman, all three claim to have brought whey protein to the market, but I worked for (laughs) two of the three. So uh, mm-hmm. David Jenkins, I, he brought designer way to the market. So I really, uh, it was fascinating working with him on some uh, RTD and uh, bar uh, consulting there. That was cool. Um, Ultimate Nutrition, uh, they sell into 144 countries, factory direct because they have their own factory. That was great yep. experience. Olimp, I worked for them. They're the largest uh, brand in Europe, uh, European mm-hmm. supplement company. Uh, Isatori, they're publicly traded now. Nutribolics. Uh, did some work with Platinum Labs. You may recognize that name. That was Aaron Singerman's first supplement company. Yeah. Um, did some work in there in Australia. Molecular nutrition is in your backyard. Uh, yep. And then the uh, one bar, the uh, cool. OEA, I did some yeah, work absolutely. on the launching the RTD form of that and the powder version of the OEA bar. Um, Very cool. So that was cool. So it's uh, overall, it's been great. I mean, in total, it's been over 40 companies now. And, uh, it's all specifically, there's some that are more mass market than special, like then sports nutrition, but, um, I've never, ever worked outside of the, um, supplement industry and the, um, the fitness industry as a whole. That's just been my entire career. Uh,
0: That's awesome. Now, if you, if you had, if you, what lessons do you think you've learned, you know, throughout this entire process that you might've passed on to others or to a younger you? Cause I know, you know, we've all. We've all taken, you know, derogatory turns here and there and kind of slammed on the brakes and said, "Er, okay, maybe this ain't the right direction to go. So what do you, what's some big things that stand out to you that not necessarily you wouldn't have done, maybe you would have uh, handled them a little bit different or just gone at them about, gone, gone about them a little bit of a different way now that you've seen the error of your ways, so to speak?
1: You know, I listened to your premiere episode and you talked about how, it was a game-changing point for you, which was when you got into personal training and selling personal training and helping people improve their fitness. Obviously, you must have been into fitness; that must have been a hobby of yours. Absolutely. And what I would pass on to people is try to make a living from your hobby, try to make a career from your hobby. And um, if you if you look at it, I mean, it doesn't mean that you try to, if you're a bodybuilder, you don't just say, okay, well, I'm going to become a pro and then I'll get paid all kinds of money and and prize money is how I pay the bills. But if you really love, um, you really love exercise, uh, then try to find a way to get paid to teach others how to do that or find, find a way to make an income from that. I've always had a passion for my hobby, which is bodybuilding. I've been doing that since I was a kid. So um, I would suggest to people to try to find a way to make a living off your hobby because not only will you not have to, it won't feel like work, but it'll stick with you. You'll you'll be able to have a photographic memory of things around your hobby because you're so excited about it, so interested in it. And I found with myself, I couldn't tell you who premier of canada was at the time but i could tell you what was on page 56 of Flex magazine because you <laughs> yeah. i was just obsessed with reading magazines over and over and over and bodybuilding books and um so that's kind of um what i did and i would say that if you do that because you got to work until you're what you know 65 and so, it's a long yeah. time. so if you do have to go day and day it's not going to mean that every day that i do i'm doing everything i love i have to do um bookkeeping i have to do invoicing i have to chase people down for money which that isn't to do with my hobby i have to do um (laughs) editing and proofreading um sales jobs uh working with um you know lawyers on different issues and Mm -hmm. um label review like i it's 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 just but at least it's in supplements i love taking supplements at least it's in things that i'm passionate about rather than things that, uh, that don't really have a, an interest to in me. Um, right. So that's kind of um, that this first uh, tip is that the second one is try to um, specialize. And this, okay. I learned at a, an early age, a friend of mine is in the um, stock trading and uh, he was genius, like just a brilliant, brilliant uh, guy. And great, that, we were roommates in university. and You know, he said, you know, when I want to talk about when I'm managing someone's portfolio and I want to advise them on say precious metals that they want to get into or tech mm-hmm. stocks because do you think i can be the best in tech stocks no so because i have a guy who i call who i think is the best there's a guy mm-hmm. who i know is the best in precious metals and i call him so that guy has found a niche so i just realized with me that if i stay in the supplement industry a it's going to be here until the day i die people are going to be taking supplements i Absolutely. totally believe that And I think that if I stay in it long enough, I'll get smarter and smarter and smarter with every single day that goes by. As long as I'm continually open-minded to learning and knowing that I don't know everything today, that tomorrow I'm going to learn some new things and learn some things today talking to you, that I'm going to be smarter tomorrow, then I will next year this time be stronger and smarter and I will have a better ability to get more jobs because I bring even more to the table every day of the year. So being a specialist, too oftentimes people, they get a couple of years in insurance and then they switch over and they always talk about being well-rounded. But being well-rounded doesn't make you any different in today's marketplace than other guys who are well-rounded. But if you're a specialist in an area and you're the best for your top 10 or top 20, but at least you are you have this area that you have expertise. Like, I can't name a single person I've ever met who knows more about direct-to-consumer Supplement sales and marketing than you, so you're the guy in my brain. I don't, but I don't I think appreciate that, yeah. international sales. I don't think you're the best in national sales because right. I've met the best in sales. Exactly. Yeah. US. Right. The best in... um, sound the like sound like we is, got... Yeah, sorry about that. Um, oh no, you right Who I think is the best in. Regulatory affairs in Canada for supplements, mm-hmm. but I don't think they're the best in the U.S. at regulatory right. affairs for supplements. So, I have a network of who I think are the best in each area, but that's what I think a lot of people have to do is carve out a sorry, carve out a niche, stay with it, and um, they will be known as an expert in that one uh, facet.
0: Absolutely, and I I couldn't agree with you more. I actually was listening to it's funny. I actually listened to uh. Andy Frisella did a podcast the other day with Ed Milet and they were talking about how true people who have been, you know, become millionaires. You don't typically see a millionaire that has six different businesses and doing is doing all this crazy stuff. Typically one business that they focus on and become the best at is what drive, what gets them to the million dollars. And then once they get to that million dollars, that's when they, or, you know, million dollars and above, that's when they, Typically, we'll diversify and kind of move into other things and kind of go from there. But he's like, you don't see guys that are, you know, that made a million dollars by making 100 grand selling magazines, 100 grand selling sneakers, 100 grand running a falafel stand. It doesn't work that way. He's like, you, 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 you pinpoint on the one thing that you're the best at, the one thing that you are that you can become an expert in. And that's where you drive to becoming a millionaire or beyond. And then once you get there, then you can take your, you know, your connections and the people that you've made and you can kind of diversify from there. And I think that's I think there's nothing truer than that, because at the end of the day, you know, I'd much rather be a expert in one thing than be a jack of all trades, master of none. You know, and and That's that's one of those. I mean, that's one of them things, you know, is that you get people that kind of come to you and they're like, well, what can you do? Well, I can do a lot of stuff, but can I do a lot of stuff well? You know what I mean? That's, That's right. totally different than saying I am the expert at this, you know what I mean? And so I, I love that and I and I think you, you really hit the nail on the head with that. So I want to dive into Muscle Insider, man, because you know one of the things that you are you know really known for. I mean, every every time I've mentioned your name to somebody in passing, immediately Muscle Insider pops up and it's obviously that's your baby, that is your, you know, your brand, that's what you're all about right now. And, and when did you actually start the magazine? And, and tell us a little bit about how it's grown, and how some of the things have changed and kind of just developed in, you know, in the last couple of years.
1: Yeah, so I, I have two businesses, as you mentioned, one is uh, Muscle Insider, which is a media source for fitness started off as a bodybuilding fitness magazine, Launched in 2009. Uh, that's when we started. We launched at the 2010 Arnold Classic, and that was really fun, really good. Had a good. Um, we had a great run with that, and um, you know that um, I had an investor at the time who started that with me, and then we had an agreement where if one of us wanted to back out, the other is allowed to continue. So, I, about um, June of that year, so with about six months in, he wanted to uh, bow out of that. So I took the business over in the summer of 2010. And I sort of said, you know what, I'm going to um, just specialize on Canada for this because I'm live in Canada and right. I know all the distributors, the retailers, the athletes, the writers, the, the models, the you know, the whole bit just yeah. by physically living here. And a lot of the US magazines at the time weren't really doing a great job for Canada because they would just send the magazines out and then you'd have between five to ten percent, what's called spillover, meaning five to ten percent of those copies would be sold in canada one of the things right. a lot of people don't realize in the states and i get this all the time aside from the fact that usually it's from people like you that live in florida but they think we all uh, we go to work on dog sleds up here and that uh, you know we eat the canadian bacon and you know and hey, i know we, better we, now we, i might yeah, have thought that a couple of years ago <laughs> So yeah, it's not all about uh, you know drinking beer and eating Canadian back bacon. Um, Shucks. So and maple syrup <laughs> and so yeah. and salmon. Um, so anyways, um, I switched the model to this, and what I did was I, I looked at Europe. In Europe, in Europe, there's a lot of um, distributors of supplements, and Australia has this as well, and they have their own magazine. And what right. they do is they put their magazine out as a tool to market to the to the consumers in that country, and then they only allow ads. For the brands that they distribute to be in the magazine Makes and that sense, way yeah. it becomes a bit of a propaganda tool to help their interests sell more of the supplements that they control in that country now this was pre-internet and e-commerce wasn't as big as it is now we're all through right. europe you could you can ship within europe uh you know amazon is what it is over there too right so the, this is pre pre that so we did that for many years and i really i, I launched it online at first with a large social media push because i was i'm always into media and that's just been my study is always staying current with the new trends to market supplements to consumers so Absolutely. i was thinking okay let's be, let's build her facebook account up at the time let's build twitter up and youtube and instagram was really i don't even think it was out no it wasn't out at that time Probably not yet, so we yeah. got we got it going Got that going, specialized on that. And I was always somebody, because of my own interests of being really pro-supplement, I always kept friendly to supplement companies and targeted uh, getting advertising from supplement companies in Canada. So built that up. uh, We did 50 issues in total. But over the last like three years, it stopped, we stopped doing the print edition in uh, December of 2019. So a little bit, about a year and a half ago now, that we stopped that. And the reason was is the three issues in 2019, the, the last three of that year, it was costing us more money to put the magazine out than what we were making on it. Right. And it wasn't like, and I'm not talking making it like profit, I'm saying even breaking even. Right. So to not break even on something I always said to uh family family-run business, my wife and my business partner have been and my mother, like it's been family. My mother's just she's been doing the accounting for us, which has been just awesome, but um anyway, so a lot of friends and family have helped us with this. And I always said, you know, we'll do it as long as the advertisers want to support this. We'll continue to do the print, but at the same time, we've been using muscleinsider.com, putting content out every day of the year and all our, through our social media uh, platforms, we've continued to grow those. So I was ready for this turn when we stopped the print edition, because we had been doing social media since 2009 on the social, on the Muscle Insider account. So We were ready for that, but that's changed because that, and in that time we saw Iron Man get sold twice, Planet Muscle go out of business, Mm -hmm. Uh, a magazine group out of New York called the Exercise Group. They had about three magazines they went under. There was another group of uh, publishers there, Harris Publications. They had two fitness magazines they went under. Um, Then we saw Muscle Mag, Reps, american curves maximum fitness that was all one group they went out of business they sold their company they bankrupted first and then they sold the titles off to another group um flex magazine uh stopped printing the print edition muscle fitness stopped the print muscle fitness hers and they they ended up selling the olympia with the magazines to um Mm -hmm uh to another group of people that are the owners of the olympia jake wood and his team which they have done an awesome job at it but they're contest promoters that use the media a medium sorry to be able to push their shows they also do the wings of strength shows and they just do an awesome job of that but the consumer does not want to buy print magazines any longer and that's something that it's just the reality is not everybody is, you know, is against magazines because you will find the 40 plus people, 50 plus people. They still like the paper. Everyone likes it when they hold it, but it's not the same. And the, the business model in the eighties, a lot of people don't realize that advertising was a premium in magazine space in the eighties, yeah. up to the mid nineties. So you could make most of your money, a lot of your money from advertising and Newsstand sales was a very lucrative avenue for, mm-hmm. for publishers, but as things shifted and people bought less and less magazines, what you saw is more and more advertising filling the magazines, and then you saw lower prices for the magazines as the internet started to come, up, come about. And so the model became a 50-50 ad edit ratio, which means 50% of the magazine is ad, 50% of it is editorial, then you started to see the editorial being filled with products which now dilutes the you know the quality of the information Absolutely, in yeah. the magazine mm-hmm. and over time the publishers were held hostage really by the advertisers because the newsstand wasn't where they were getting most of their money because a lot of people were just the the magazine business was going down and down so was the was book business print as a whole was so you're seeing less shelf space in stores for magazines. And then over time, uh, the magazines just couldn't continue to do it any longer and be profitable. So a lot of times they were being subsidized from other revenue streams they had with with companies or they were sitting on millions that they had made from back in the day that they were subsidizing. So over time, these things slowly went away and went away and went away. Mm -hmm. I'm happy that we lasted 10 years and we did 50 issues of print uh and that to me was great the last issue we did was our best of so it's basically the best of the 50 issues we've done those were the best columns the best articles so that was good but it was time to move on and um that was uh so we still do our online stuff we do obviously podcast interviews like what you're doing with me Mm-hmm. We do a lot of supplement reviews, email blasts. Which is awesome. Digitally. Absolutely. Yeah. And you know what? It's, it's, it's always good. But we, have as they say, right-sized it where we have a small team that does what we do and uh, we just continually you know, do, do the best that we can do. And um, we work with a select group of advertisers that uh, we integrate content with them. Uh, and you know what? It's good because we don't, we're not held at mercy of having 20 different advertisers. You have to have 20 different bosses. And by right. having less, it's uh, it's a little bit easier to run that. And because it's digital, if there's a spelling mistake, I can just update it within three seconds and it's exactly
0: yeah.
1: Um, versus a whole
0: printing a whole new issue because you gotta yeah, something in so, a print mistake, yeah. And I'll tell you yeah, what, it, man, I mean I'm I'm a I'm a firm uh, believer in what you're doing, and I am a fan because man, I, I watch all the, the supplement review videos that you put out and and I love it because you are one of those people that just takes every product that you do to you know breaking down individual individual ingredients really going into depth on what the product does from a science basis and just from a you know a a layman's term you know so to speak and i think you have a, a really great way of being able to present it to people that they understand what it is they understand both sides of the coin you know the both the science side and you know the the practical application side and I just, I just love, you know, the videos that you make. And I think you think you guys are doing a fantastic job. And just the, the fact that you've been able to change that whole model, like you said, from that print model to a completely online and still making it uh, desirable, you know, and, and it is, I mean, there's so many people that have done that. You know, I mean, we look at a lot of other uh, Generation Iron, you know, things like that, that have kind of gone uh, and, and they're, and they kind of, they're, they've taken this, Almost comical route, you know, to where like you start to see people will joke around about like Generation Iron and call them like the, the, um, uh, the, 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 I forget the name of the show that the, the news show that everybody makes fun of, but they call, you know, they basically say they're like the, the, the joke of the, the bodybuilding world now. Cause you'll see, you'll, every once in a while, you'll, you'll pop on to like Generation Iron and they'll have a, an, an article about, something Hollywood or something you know silly that just doesn't really make a whole lot of sense for their target demographic in the market of people that actually look at their products and, and look at their stuff. And it's kind of like they kind of took that road and said, well, we're just going to do whatever we can to try to make money and entertain people. And it kind of got a little out of hand. Whereas you stayed, stood your ground. You, you basically are delivering the same exact thing you were delivering in magazine form, but you're doing it from a content base completely online and You're doing it with class, sophistication, and style, which is fantastic.
1: Yeah, thank you. I you know what it, it's I, I feel for Generation Iron, I've followed them since they began, I've watched mm-hmm. their movies. Um, you know, and, and they have a different business model with the videography background they have and right. the network where they want to sell documentaries and, and things like that. Most of their money, I believe, comes from that area. Absolutely. But they have yeah. to account to shareholders, they have to account to potentially investors and they have to account to if you're an advertiser, you want to see how many people are on this page. And so it's, it's hard because you have to balance, okay, if I do um, a clickbait type title, if I do a weak title, that's just something simple and I don't get enough people to see it, maybe they're not going to see some of the information that they actually really legitimately should. So you have to be able to write uh, you know, a post like it's a cover blurb. And Absolutely. you have to be able mm-hmm. to put a video with, you know, one or two seconds. You have the first two or three seconds max to get someone's attention. It seems like we live in a world of controversy. And if there's not something about Kyrene making a comeback to the Olympia, <laughs> exactly, what was really, yeah. if they don't have that, then the consumers don't like the post. They don't comment on the post. They don't. Yeah. And even if you're hating on generation iron, you're at least engaged. You're participating. Yeah. In it, and yeah you're not sort of sitting there watching CNN where you're talking about another thing about the mass or the border of Mexico and all the, that's going on there. So I kind of, um, although, you know, it's, it's, I see it. There's a lot of sites. We, we obviously are all watching. We try to put a flavor of Canadian spin on everything. So we're at the Olympia. Then this last Olympia, there were 16 competitors from Canada at that. So we're following them. So where did this girl place in fitness? Where did this guy place in physique? Where did this guy right. place in the 212 class? And and we're watching the following because no one else cares about just <laughs> yeah. Canada. Um, and it's like, oh yeah, they're they're looking at Big Rami and they're looking at uh, Phil Heath, and so are we. And we'll cover that. so, you know Phil could have had a better midsection. It seems to be right. that surgery has made it came back. But you're hitting those
0: home, you're hitting those hometown heroes, which is what. You know, and it's, it's. I agree. I mean, it's what it's all about. You should be holding it down for the guys and the ladies and gentlemen that are representing, you know, Canada for you guys. And I think that that that's that niche that people look to you for because they know if they're following those fifteen competitors from Canada, they know where you got. They got to go right to Muscle Insider and they'll get all the info they need. And that's. Uh, and
1: that you got to know what you can and can't do, and I yep. think that's one area where we tried to be a a more economical version of flex, a more economical version of muscle fitness. And when we talk to companies in the U S about advertising, they're like, you know what, when I'm ready to advertise in Canada, I'm going to definitely contact you guys. Cause you guys are doing great work up there. Or we talked to the Canadian companies who had no distribution in Canada. And they're like, great, I'm here. I'm ready to work with you guys. I know you guys are the leaders here. Cause you guys are the only ones who are really doing this work on Canada. So I, uh, this brand has got Canadian all over it in its DNA and I can't change that. I can't, Good. I can't, I tried, you know, I've, got, yeah. I've covered the New York pro. We still cover the Olympia, the Arnold, all those places. But what we, we did, um, we were, did we do about 20 us pro shows a year we were doing all through California, different parts of Florida. And you know what? People don't tune in into, they go to RX muscle for that. They go to NPC yeah. News for that. They go to, at one point they'd go to Flex Online for all the information there. They're not going to see muscle for what what's going on at the Pittsburgh Pro Show. Like they right. but when it comes to the Vancouver Pro Show, the Toronto Pro Show, some of the others, they're thinking, you know what, there's those Canadian guys at their muscles now they're up in Canada, they'll definitely have the contest results. And sure enough, we do. <laughs> yep. Um, they're all about and, it, buddy. Um, yeah. Chris Bumstead, who knows more about him? We've had him twice on our cover. We know exactly where he lives. We know who he trains with. We know who he's married to, or sorry, who he's dating. We know who his sister's married to. Like we follow that. We follow Regan Granz. We follow, follow Anthem. We follow all of those uh, stars up here. And when we are at the Arnold's and uh, the big media sources are there and they're looking to interview Brandon Curry, so are we. But as soon as we're done with that, we're waving over the Canadians who maybe had their head down because they they did the first call out and we're waving them over. We know that they just finished competing at this show or they just turned pro last year at this show. And we know the whole storyline. And um, when I get an advertiser for Canada, I can easily refer them to who's doing your regulatory affairs for you for Canada to get your product compliant. Let me introduce you to a guy who handles that. Who's doing your distribution? Well, I'm tight with the four or five distributors we have here. Let me introduce you to them. Um, you know, this is who Supplement King is. This is who Popeye's is. This is who Body Energy Club is. This is who, and I I know it intimately. And right, my I service that as okay. You're advertising me with me. I'm now here to help you. Whatever you need, I'm here to help you succeed in Canada. So it's uh, it's that. But you know, that's kind of um, muscle setter in a nutshell.
0: <laughs> no, that's awesome. Yeah, and that's it's definitely something that is multifaceted. Like you said, I mean, you've taken multiple different channels of not only revenue streams, but of just being able to have a personal commitment and, and, uh, and communication with different brands, different, you know, different bodybuilders and different people in the industry, which, you know, remind me of that. Cause I might have to talk to you about helping get some brands up there in the Canada wink wink. Okay. So, yes, uh, yes, we definitely, we definitely could use some help with that, but, Um, so what do you think right now? Like, like on what's on Scott's plate? Like, what are your goals right now? There's something that you're still striving for today. That is a short-term thing that you're like the next couple of years, this is really where I see myself. This is really where I want to be. Is there anything off the cuff that you have that is completely outside of the general spectrum that you've already done? Or are you staying in your lane, doing your thing? What does the
1: next five years look like for Scott? Well, short-term, uh, toilet training for my son. That's hey! Here we on go. Right now. Beautiful. <laughs> and, uh, I know you have three <laughs> lovely children. Uh, we have. I do, man. Yeah. Half year old, and uh, he'll be turning three. Uh, so that's right now something we're working on there. That's awesome. I mean, um, obviously, continually um, keeping positive throughout COVID. Uh, you know, I, I've gained the COVID nineteen or the COVID ten, whatever you want to call it, um, right? Some weight from being indoors and being locked out of the gyms. So uh, definitely working there. I'm going to continue to work with the clients that I do have on the consulting side, got some really cool companies. I'm really proud to be associated with that. I've worked for years to be able to get my foot in the door with them. And so we're really doing some cool stuff there um, that, you know, I hate to say there were game changers, but um, we're going to have some cool stuff that once you see it, I think you guys and others in the industry will be really, really impressed by these Very cool. Um, continue to improve my direct to consumer knowledge within the brands, which um, obviously work with you in the past. And, uh, uh, you know, I'm seeing that continue. I've helped a few companies head that direction. Um, let me see. So servicing those muscle cider will continue to do what it's been doing, focusing more and more on Canada and, um, you know, just continue to, uh, to evolve. And you know what, the worst part is I can't just look at another media source like men's health and say, okay, they got it all figured out because you sort yeah. of see Pel- Peloton and mirror and all these companies, who've really got fitness figured out and they keep evolving and evolving or you see Amazon do what they do or bodybuilding.com evolve. So we'll continue to evolve as the trends evolve. TikTok's TikTok's really hot. We got into it two years ago. Um, uh, What's the other one? Uh, Clubhouse we got in. So we're Mm -hmm. now starting to get that going. I know you just recently joined that as well. And so we just keep evolving that side of it. I'm in the middle of starting another company that I I obviously got to keep everything under wraps on that, but I'm doing investment um, uh, round of investments, a presentation middle of May on that to investors on that. So with that, that'll be different because right now I'm learning about the pitch decks and and how to raise capital and how do you set up shares and how do you sort of uh, do that? And that's all new for me because I've helped supplement companies from absolute beginnings or the mid-size or some of the large, but I Mm -hmm. haven't helped companies get funding and what do they have to present to investors? And so learning that, and sometimes when you get to the level that I'm at and you're at, is that you you just Mm -hmm. take these things for granted. So when you say things like, well, we definitely would focus on this particular market or that market, it's really difficult because for you and I, this is just common language we use, but for somebody who is in a different career field, their whole life, they don't understand, but I'm sort of starting from scratch with um, some of these like uh, safe investments and all these different terms that these guys will tell me about. I got to write it down. I have to Google it. So <laughs> yeah. what the heck do they I mean by this? You know?
0: Yeah. Uh, no, that's awesome though because it's just overall expanding your knowledge and expanding your ability to to grow and to capitalize on consulting and the things that you do because all you know all that stuff. That's the beauty of you know kind of the the consultancy in a in sports nutrition is that like, I, I personally, you know, feel that like my expertise lies in the, the two main points that I have is my direct to consumer and affiliate space, affiliate influencer knowledge, and then logistics. Logistics has been something that I've spent a lot of time on, you know, working with properly setting up warehouses, the flow of merchandise, the production of product, the presentation of product to the customer. That's something that I really, really pride myself. And it's something that I've actually worked with quite a few companies on the You know, I mean, it sounds so simple, but the art of packing a box, you know what I mean? And the art of of putting a presentation together so that even if it goes through the hands of 15 mail carriers, by the time it arrives to your client at the end and they open the box, it's not a jumbled mess of garbage. It's a presentation that they still, they open it and it's like opening a present on Christmas morning. They're not opening, like I said, you know, a jumbled mess. And that's something that it's surprising how much people take that little that little piece for granted and I've walked into so many warehouses and seen the flow of product and the flow of the packing process just just make complete nonsense. Yeah, I mean you you look around a room and you're kind of just like how on earth do these people get anything done? You know, it's like how where's the process here? What's the you know, what is the lineup of products? Why are these things mixed with these? Why you know, it, it just doesn't make sense and you kind of and it's been one of those things where you can walk into my office and my desk might be a mess, but I promise you, my stock room is perfect.
1: <laughs> yeah. yeah <that's laughs> you right. know?
0: And it's, it's just crazy. But I think we all, I mean, just being able to learn and grow and, and do the, take on those new tasks and that's, that stuff that, you know, ultimately will develop you as you're going. And I, mean, I think both of us still have a lot of, a lot of years left in this business and the fact that you're, you know, diving into those kind of new projects, you know, here later on in life is fantastic because it just opens you up for more assets in the future and gives you, gives you a greater, I would, I would even put a greater worth and a greater value to some of these brands out there that will be coming, you know, coming up soon. And you can kind of step in and say, Hey man, like I can help you from step one, you know, and that, cause that's, there's not a lot of people that can say that, you know, not a lot of people have that knowledge to be able to, to jump in on the, you know, the financial planning side and things like that. So that's, that's absolutely fantastic, man. And I'm really excited to hear that because I I know having the conversation that you and I've had in the time we've spent together, I know that you are, like I said, man, I called you it in the beginning, you're a titan of this industry. And I, and I believe that because you just have, you have such a great head on your shoulders and you have such a great vision for what you want to accomplish. I very rarely have a conversation with somebody that's able to, to correctly articulate exactly what they want to accomplish and how they're planning to get there. And you're one of the few people that we've had those conversations together. And it's been like, we can both walk away from the conversation, completely understanding of what we just relate to one another versus walking away, scratching our heads going, what did that guy just say? <laughs> you know? Yeah.
1: And it's been great. It's funny. Can I talk to you or I talk to people within Sandridge? There's a series of people that I find are experts in certain areas. And it's amazing because the other person can continue this the sentence and then the other person could get tagged in and continue the sentence yep. because they all see it the same way because Absolutely. they've arrived at a certain level of mastery of, of, of different aspects of it. And I've talked to, if I talk to a formulations expert and I'm not talking as someone who knows a lot about the ingredients, but someone who's also knows the legality that goes with the ingredients, knows the mm-hmm. raw supplies. And am I getting what I actually ordered in the ingredient that I'm asking to put in my product? Am I looking at, I I find a lot nowadays, you'll see, you know, it's the, it's a copy and paste pre-workout. They just do, they look at what Inspired's doing, or they look at Rise, or they look at Ghost, or Redcon, or any of these Mm -hmm. guys. um, And then they copy and paste the formula, or Nutrax, or Gasparri, or whoever it is. And like Gasparri's new Super Pump, you know, how long did it take for somebody to go and copy-paste the formula, write it down, put it down here. And then yep. look over at Gorilla Chemist just launched the other day is 2.0 version of his pre it showed some of the basics of his formula. And, you know, people will say, okay, well, there's this one ingredient here. Let me copy and paste that. But when that recipe for a cake, and that's the way I look at it, you get a recipe for a cake from the internet, and then you go in to try to bake it. And yep. I think if you look at Nutribio and you see the videos that Mark Glaser will show in terms of what needs to be done on a small level to test mm-hmm. this so that you can see when these chemicals all interact with each other inside the pre-workout formula, what ends up happening? Does it clump? Right. Does it actually now, uh, cause each ingredient inside a, a tub of protein powder or a BCAA, it has different densities. And so Absolutely. they will sink sink at different levels depending mm-hmm. on their weight, and there's also a positive or negative charge that's on these substances. A lot of them that will attract each other, and so you really that's have what to causes the break.
0: clumpiness and stuff. Yeah, mm-hmm.
1: yeah. If something really has a a tendency to attract moisture, one ingredient like citrulline has that, yep. beta alanine has that, betaine has that. Then what can I put inside here? to help absorb some of that moisture maybe it's not just your desiccant pack but maybe it's other ingredients i'll add to a pre-workout a pump product the glycerol is the one that causes a lot of clumping yep. so there's a big war right now on who has the best glycerol you know and yeah um i think uh you know i've seen some great ones with NNB nutrition's hydroprine is a phenomenal ingredient for for that and there's some others that are on the market now and they're all fighting for that but If you don't have the experience baking that cake, then you wonder when you put all these things together what happens, or do you just throw so much stems in here? Like I still remember um, Knox Pump from um, uh, DY Nutrition from Dorian Yates at the time when it had. uh, uh, He was a client of mine actually. uh, Dorian Yates, I worked for Dorian on uh, some of his products for Australia. And it was oh, really cool awesome. for me because I'm, I'm calling actually on the phone with Darian Yates and he's asking me, he's paying me to consult for him on his, I, I helped him with his sleep product and his, you know, this packaging changeover and catalogs and web stuff and Very everything cool. else. Yeah. Um, but it was so thrilled for me because I, I'm sitting there saying, I idolize this guy and You're a fan. I look yeah. up to him mm-hmm. And he's paying me for advice this time, and I'm and well, I'll have to tell you for the fans out there, I used every opportunity I could to ask him for tips. <laughs> I was hey, like, hey, there you go. <laughs> when you did, uh, when you were doing that on Blood and Dust video, you did this, 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 this. Why did you do it that way? You know, and then it's it so awesome. open book, you know. And so that yeah. was really cool to um, to actually uh, work with him. But what I found with this whole experience, when when I talked to, they had, I think it was six hundred milligrams of caffeine. And I think it was 60 milligrams of uh, geranium. It was one uh, DMHA, DMAA. That had 60 milligrams yeah. of that. And I asked his partner at the time, "Well, why did you have it that level? You know?" And he said, "Well, because um, I think the leader at the time was 300 milligrams of caffeine. So we wanted to be twice as good. <laughs> so we went 60. You know?" And oh, the reason why you you know yes. you have certain ratios there's- of. of of your this stuff caffeine. was rock hard
0: on the shelf after like after like 12 days.
1: <laughs> well, it's just That's... the level of stems You have a yeah. responsibility. If you're putting... Absolutely, yeah. Synephrine and, and, and caffeine yeah. and hydrous and caffeine citrate or, or any it's of these crazy. others, you have to look at, well, what is the consumer? How much stims is the consumer going to get? And what I'm finding right. now is people without the science background are just doing the copy-paste and then they're telling they're just increasing the number arbitrarily. If you... Um, you know, Sean Wells is one of my, my I guess I, I look up to him a lot in terms of his knowledge on formulations. I think Jim Stepani does a phenomenal job, the gorilla kind mm-hmm. of does a phenomenal job. There's a few guys, Pat Arnold does a wicked job. There's a lot of these guys. Um, Raza Basher over at Muscle Tech. And when you talk to these guys and they know, well, if you put this much T cream you have to put this much dynamine, you put this much caffeine, if you put this much more caffeine, and this is how you correct that. Is not just having more potency than the other label beside it on a shelf. There's a reason right. why you don't put things. There's over yeah. The there's definitely level. a science mm-hmm.
0: behind it. Yeah, I laugh because I remember when the dry scoop thing became a big deal, and you start seeing all these people, you know, on social media and stuff, dry scooping pre workouts, and we're laughing at them and we're going, you know, you do you realize that a lot of those products are water activated? <laughs> it's like, yeah, yeah. It, you know, it was it was comical to me because you know you you look at this. Like sometimes it's a funny consumer push, but you're getting, you're essentially, you know, uh, turning a a good product into garbage because you're not taking it the right way. And that's, uh, you know, unfortunately there were a lot of companies that kind of jumped on that bandwagon and let people do that. And that's, we see it happen all the time. And it's just a very similar, you know, scenario to what you're saying is just throwing a, a formula together to beat the next guy so that it looks better on the shelf when somebody picks up the container and reads it. But they don't realize that what they're putting in their body is essentially could potentially hurt them. I mean, when you're talking 600 milligrams of stims, that's a, you know, that's a lot of stimul. That's a lot of stimulant for a lot of people. I know people who can't handle 300. So to give somebody a, a pre-workout with 600 milligrams of stem, you know, it's it, that's, that's a, that's a hefty dose. So that's awesome, man. And I, and Scott, dude, we're, we're, we're just over the hour mark. I definitely don't want to yeah. keep you much longer. And, uh, so I want to round out the show with, is there anything that you'd like to leave us with? Any last final thoughts you have or anything you'd like to just drop on the listeners before we let you go?
1: Yeah, no, I think you're, you've are you done a great job with your show. I look forward to the future episodes. Uh, I love the passion that you have for different topics, you know, and, and hearing your story and all of the trauma that you've been through in your life. I would never have known that knowing you because you're not a crybaby. You're not somebody who puts that out there, but you're somebody who, is so motivating and positive. And uh, I think that um, it's really great to see that you're doing what you're doing. I have not met anybody, as I said earlier, who knows the industry on the direct-to-consumer supplement sales side as you do. Uh, I thank you very much for the opportunity uh, to be on your show. It's been a great time. Obviously, for fans out there, they can check me out at Muscle Insider on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, TikTok, everywhere you are on. We will be on there. And obviously uh, I really appreciate you having me on here and look forward absolutely, to future episodes. Really. Hopefully you'll make yourself back when this lockdown's down. We'll get you back up to Vancouver again. Uh, you better I'll believe I'll be it. we get down to Florida where it's, uh, where it's nice and warm. A little all warmer. Yeah,
0: <laughs> absolutely do. We, we definitely got to hook up at some point once all this stuff kind of goes and I would, I'm definitely looking forward to hanging out with you. I had a great time. We'll definitely tag you up and hit you and make sure that the, the when the post goes out, that every, all the muscle insider, um, social medias are tagged and we got as much going out there. We'll do a little preview video for you that uh, next week, because your show will air on the 14th of April. So you'll be coming out not next Wednesday, but the following Wednesday. And, uh, and I'll make sure you get all the information and we'll, we'll talk to you again soon. I'm really, really, really appreciate having you on the show. Take care of yourself. Give your son a hug from me and my family.
1: Okay. And stay stimulated.
0: Absolutely, brother. <laughs> Take care. Thank you. You got it, man. Bye. Bye.